Welcome to Living Well with Rentwell, the podcast for anybody who's thinking about getting into real estate, in real estate, and wants to take their game to the next level. I am your co-host, Rob Coldwell. All right, everybody, another episode of Living Well with Rentwell. I'm one of your hosts, Rob Coldwell. Today, we get to talk about real estate development and property management with Joe Colasuano. Uh, we would have been on time, but I wanted to make sure that I had his last name pronounced correctly because I have it in my phone as Big Joe C. We, we met. <laughs> Good to have you here, man. Um, let's jump right into this. Sure. I was surprised in your bio that you went to school and it looked like you were on your way to becoming either a doctor or a dentist. But give people your story. What was the first property you bought? Where are you investing, man? Just take the mic and I turn it over to you. Yeah. I mean, you know, long and short of it, I, I did go to school. I, was, uh, I went to uh, school for pre-med. Um, and then after graduating college, I went and did my master's program in biomedical science, which is kind of like a piggyback program into the medical school in, uh, in New Jersey. And, um, senior year of college, I, I started a couple small businesses of my own and, you know, I'd never, I'd never really studied, uh, business, you know, before that, before kind of just jumping into it. Um, I've always kind of been on that science math track because it was what I was good at, you know, and, uh, you know, growing up, I was always told doctors make a lot of money and that's what I wanted to do. Um, but you know, long and short of it was my heart was really just never, never really in it. Um, I liked entrepreneurship. I like, you know, starting businesses. Um, and, uh, my father was a builder. Um, so I, I'd been around real estate, you know, my whole life. Um, and, you know, I was in grad school, red, rich dad, poor dad, and, uh, you know, kind of decided that I, uh, I really wanted to you know, pursue that, and, you know, not, not keep going with, uh, with the medicine route. And how was that received by, by the folks? Were they involved in that decision or um, did they support it? Well, yes and no. I mean, my, my father, my father also went to medical school. He got his degree and then became a builder. So, um, and he kind of always regretted it. So I think in, you know, in, in, in some ways I was kind of groomed to, to kind of, you know, carry that torch, you know, so to speak. And, uh, so he was definitely disappointed. I think that I didn't want to go forward with it, but, um, he's taught me everything I know about, you know, real estate and construction and, you know, work with him, you know, side by side on a daily basis. So, you know, can't be too upset, you know, that's wonderful. So, so, so he he certainly can't be too upset. And, and you're, when you, when you, what year, did you buy your first property and what, and what did you buy? Yeah. So I, I bought my first building. We went under contract in 2009. Um, it was a 31 unit apartment building and, uh, it was a short sale, uh, that was in foreclosure. Um, we picked it up. We had it under contract at 650, um, in, uh, in kind of a rough block in, in Allentown, Pennsylvania. And, uh, you know, at the time I didn't have any credit. My dad got hammered, you know, through 08, um, with his construction projects. 
So, um, you know, we had to put everything, um, you know, everything went under me and we, um, we purchased this property and we were like three weeks out uh, from buying it. We had like a hard money line, uh, a hard money loan lined up. We were at like 14% interest, three points. It was like, you know, highway robbery. And we, uh, we ended up buying this property about three weeks before we closed. There was a, like a double shooting in the, in the building and the homicide. And, um, you know, I grew up in the suburbs, man. I was, I was 20, 24 years old. I was freaking out. Um, I, I, you know, questioning, should have gone to med school. What am I doing? This is insane. Um, Existential crisis uh, at that time. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So, um, my father at the time kind of talked me off a ledge and he was like, look, think smart about this. You know, you're buying this building. Why don't you, uh, ask for some kind of concession as a result of this? You know, you got to do some cleanup. You got to do this. Um, you know, you gotta do that. And, uh, you know, I, I remember thinking at the time, like, like that's so far out of the realm of how my brain would have worked in this situation, you mm-hmm. know? And I thought it was really, you know, it was, it was interesting. You just kind of put, you put the feelings aside, you know, the emotions aside and kind of went with, you know, Hey, look, what's logical, what makes sense in this situation? How can we, you know, benefit from an, you know, such an unfortunate you know thing that happened. And, uh, we ended up negotiating down the price. Um, you know, we bought it for six oh nine, basically, uh, a few weeks later. So that was the first deal. Um, spent probably every day for a year um, doing all the maintenance on that property. Um, you know, everything from you know janitorial to plumbing repairs. I was learning on my iPhone in the basement. Um, we would lease the, you know, renting the properties, managing the tenants, doing the work orders, you know, couldn't really afford to pay anybody at that time to do any of the maintenance. And, um, so, you know, my brother, me, my dad, we, uh, we kind of just spent that year kind of just learning what it was like to, to manage, uh, you know, some low income housing. And was this one building or were these garden style? Like give the, give the list. No, these are converted row homes. Yeah. So these are um, 31 units. Um, they are contiguous. So, um, you know, they're all next to each other, but it's a, it's a six unit, a six unit, a five unit, a 12 unit, a two unit. So they were compiled together okay. by um, a guy over the course of like 30 something years. He sold out, you know, at the, at the top of the market in 2007 ish, 2006, 2007, uh, sold it all as a package. And then it was uh, it was traded one more time, and then subsequently uh, foreclosed on. So that's why with with the double homicide, all the tenants, I guess, didn't go fleeing. If that happens in a building, and every tenant's on month to month, they're they're ready to roll. Right. Like they they want out naturally, as any human yeah. would. Do you think that that played right. a little differently, being that these are row homes? Or did you still have um, a lot? Like, did you enter? What was the occupancy like? I mean, yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing. I mean, we we these were being managed by a receiver who didn't Got really it. manage anything. So, you know, we picked them up. There's 31 units. Maybe there was 14 tenants in all 31 units. You know, 17 yep. vacant. And of the 14 tenants that were there, you didn't want 13 of them because they either didn't pay, they were a complete mess, they were selling drugs, they were doing this, doing that. 
So, you know, we basically had to go in there and, you know, start from scratch. Um, tons of deferred maintenance, tons of, tons of issues, man, left and right, all kinds of stuff. So, yeah, that's uh, so let's fast forward to today. Do you still have those 31 doors? What does the portfolio look like? What are the, what's up with those 31 doors? How was that investment? So I remember when we bought those, the rent roll at the time was like 16, 15 or 16,000 a month. Um, we're at like 32,000 now. So the rent rolls doubled in uh, 10, 11 years, not 12 years, 12 years. So um, the, uh, the tenancy is great. Um, you know, our turnover rates probably somewhere in the mid to low 20% range. Um, so it works, uh, works well over there. And the areas, you know, kind of become a little more up and coming. They, they built okay. a, they built an event center and arena like a block away. They have a brand new hotel a block away. You know, we kind of stepped in it a little bit. Um, so, you know, it's been, it's been all right. And is it still, is it, is it subsidized housing? Um, so we have some housing section eight, uh, voucher tenants there. Um, but probably only about 20% of those units, maybe even less. Got it. And how about the overall portfolio, Joe? Yes. So we have about, uh, we manage and own about 425 some odd units. Um, We do have some commercial properties in there. Um, And we, our rent roll is just around 500K per month right now. Um, We are in the process of getting now into some ground up construction and, uh, and some development. And I think, you know, where prices are now in terms of what, you know, 1960s, 1970s garden style housing stock is trading for, um, you know, we can, uh, you know, build for that or less. So, you know, if we can have brand new product for the same price that people are paying, you know, for, for garden style product with no central air conditioning. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that was built 50 years ago, 60 years ago, you know, it just kind of seems like a no brainer. One, one of the prior guests that I had was Rich O'Neill, whom is a construction manager. And he and I toured a, gosh, I think it was 12 units in the North Wales or Flower Town area. So Montgomery County. And it, was listed for 191,000 a unit. It had 40 or 60 amps of power to each apartment, right? Crazy. It it, it sold for Federal over Pacific acres. Got aluminum wire. Like what? <laughs> what know, are you crazy. buying? Well, yeah, well, yeah. I, I, and and for him and I, we you know we spend a lot of time in the basement, right? Trying yeah. to figure this yeah. out and and what are we in for? And there's still water in the basement and. So, so it's, it's almost a breath, breath of fresh air to me to hear that. It, it's almost like we're not crazy to not want to buy a $200,000, 60-year-old asset that we know we're going to need to put in probably. To my standards, I'm putting in $50,000 to those apartments because I want, I want 100 or 125 amps of power. I want mini splits. Sure. I, want, I want the electric to be able to 
support the modern stove, microwave over the over over, over the stove. Yeah, you get it. Uh, recessed LED lighting and and all that. And when we've been talking about what you're building, so the the cost of the land aside, and 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 the I guess it's the entitlement process to like get it build ready. Where do you think that you'll end up? For yeah, so I think working on. I think outside of land costs and development costs, I will probably land somewhere in that one thirty five a door range. Uh, at least that's what I'm hoping. Um, you know, even if it goes to one forty, that's fine. I mean, our land prices are typically pretty low. No one else, no, not a lot of people are typically doing what we're doing. Um, at least in our area. Um, so, you know, like for example, I have a piece of land under contract now for a small ground up, I'll, I'll probably get eight units on it, but I'm buying the land for 50 K. Um, you know, the one that we're getting ready to build now is 16 units. We bought that, you know, two years ago for 55 grand, that piece of land. Um, there are a couple other properties that we've purchased, um, that have large parking lots that are subdividable. Um, so when these properties were listed, they were sold based on the performance of the front building that, you know, was that, you know, basically was what people were selling as the asset, right? So it's a 12 unit building with a 40 car parking lot. Um, you know, okay, fine. Let's, let's buy this based on, you know, whatever the cap rate is, right? of the 12 units, not thinking, Hey, I could get 40 apartments on that 40 car parking lot in the back. And those apartments with approvals will be worth 25, you know, 20 or $25,000 a unit with the approvals that creates 800 to a thousand to a million dollars in value. Right. And bought the whole, bought the whole property for 600 grand. And I still have the 12 units in the front. Oh, okay. So you didn't have to lose those and you still had enough parking to do the 40 plus so right. so walk us walk us through. This is this is this happens to be where RW Investments, which is the which is the sister company of Rentwell, what we're focusing on right now. And I know a lot of our listeners, they have gotten their 10, 20, 30 doors, and they're saying, okay, what is what is next? And the housing stock, we've already covered, these prices are really high for how old these buildings are. Everyone, not everyone, but there's a reason the government allows us to depreciate assets because they absolutely are depreciating. So what what does it look like for you? Just walk us through the process of, of how you go from looking at that that piece of land, then figuring out think what scares at least myself and and, and others is uh, we hear a lot about storm water management there can be sure. occupancy permits just to, like enter and and uh, you know get on and off of of any state highways do you need a new traffic light like those types of things that we don't know we don't know that could be six figure uh, rounding errors sure right who who's guiding you through this what does this all look like yeah, I mean, so as far as kind of um, off-site um, improvements, like a traffic light at the end of the block or something like that, um, I know, I believe that this is universal, but they cannot, 
uh, you know, the city can't mandate you to spend money on offsite improvements. Um, I know that's the case here in, in Allentown. I believe that's the case in Pennsylvania. I'm not sure if it's the case everywhere, but, um, so that's kind of, you know, Hey, you don't really have to worry about that. Um, as far as stormwater management and, uh, you know, that whole, uh, situation, um, you know, I'm kind of going to speak based on my own experience here, um, developing in Eastern Pennsylvania and, um, Basically, the process is different for lot sizes over and under one acre. So under one acre, um, you need to just get your uh, municipal approvals um, and county approval. Uh, If you go over an acre, you have to get what's called an MPDS permit, um, which is probably about a nine month process where basically they review, um, the stormwater, um, you know, all the loads and all that stuff and what, what exists now, what will exist once the property is completed, making sure there's no offsite discharge, um, you know, all that stuff. And, um, you know, you get a pretty decent engineer, um, that deals with them on a regular basis. You have a few, um, conferences, you go through what the plan is, what you guys are looking to do. Um, they offer a ton of feedback. They get really, uh, into the nitty gritty of all the numbers and all the, um, you know, the, you know, all the best practices and all that stuff. And, um, you know, you go back and forth and you make changes and the process itself to do that, um, takes around, I'd say about nine months. Um, you know, and again, these are only, this is only on properties that are, you know, larger than, uh, than one acre. If the property is smaller than one acre, then, um, then you don't have to deal with that arduous process. Um, but, you know, obviously there are stormwater, you know, issues that you need to, you need to take care of. Um, what I like is a little bit of a hack that's kind of helpful, um, is, you know, I like to build on parking lots because they're already covered in pervious. Um, so, you know, you can make a better argument there. Like, Hey, look, this is a hundred percent impervious. Now we're going to take this macadam up. We're going to build these buildings. We're going to have a parking lot. Yes. But we're going to increase, um, you know, the amount of, uh, you know, grass or lawn or whatever that's here. Um, right. So that always helps. Uh, but yeah. I, I don't know if that answers. And but- for the properties that you don't, yeah, it does. It does. Thank you. I mean, for the properties that you don't already have in your ownership. Yes. 425. That's a lot of doors, man. That's sure. a lot of properties. And maybe you're already looking at some of them to say, can, can we make better use of what we have? So so hats yes. off yes. to you. Yeah. Uh, we kind of skipped some from that you know, what what maybe the family had plus the 31 and then to, 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 to four and a quarter. Yeah. Uh, how do you like to structure your, your agreement to sale? How much time are you giving yourself if it's a, if it's under an acre parcel? Are you are you waiting to buy it until you have your approvals? No, typically you, you just so, buy it cheap enough. Yeah, so that's typically my plan. Is I you know I'll buy them cheap enough where look even if I get half of what I'm getting, it's still going to make sense. Um, that's kind of usually how I look at it. Like the one I'm have under contract now, you know I'm hoping to get eight. I know I can get six. So even at six, I'm buying the land for, you know, $8,000 a unit, 
Nah, I'm fine with that number. Yep. And then from there, let's continue on with that process. So you, you so you, you, you're working with the engineer. Sure. How soon are you bringing in your architect? Eh, probably not that soon. So, so typically what we do is, um, you know, we'll get some concept plans together, you know, privately with the engineer, we'll go back and forth a few iterations. Hey, look, I like this site plan. I like how this looks, you know, make these changes here, here, and here. Come up with a, you know, a concept plan that we, we, we think makes sense. Um, and then you got to get your city, uh, zoning approval. Um, you know, once you get the zoning approval, um, or sometimes the zoning will, you know, defer to planning, which means you got to go in front of the planning board and you got to spend a little bit more money, get a more comprehensive engineering plan done. Um, and what'll typically happen is you go to one or two meetings, um, they'll have some comment letters that they put out that'll say, Hey, look, you know, change this, this, and this, add this to the plan, take this off the plan, da, 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 da. Um, most of these, a lot of these comments can tend to be like, you know, pretty clerical issues, you know, Hey, look, just the engineer puts on some text or takes this off or puts a detail on, um, some can be a little more, um, a little more difficult to deal with. Um, and you go to go through and, you know, you negotiate back and forth on these items sometimes. And, um, you know, you might have to go back in front of the planning board and, you know, state your case and say, Hey, look, you guys wanted me to do this, um, here. But I can't do it because of this. This reason is cost prohibitive or this, this, is that. Um, typically, cost prohibitive is not really an excuse. Um, you know, but it, it can play into your argument, of course. Um, so once you finally get your planning and your zoning approval, you're going to get Typically, it'll be a contingent approval where they'll issue a you know a final comment letter, and as long as you clear up all these issues, you know which are usually relatively minor compared to you know previous letters or previous you know previous uh, you know issues that were raised at different meetings, um, the engineer gets to work on getting these comments kind of it's like a, it's almost like a punch list that you'd get um, you know when finishing a construction project, right? Um, you know, get these, this is the list of what needs to be done. The, you know, and instead of the contractor going through and knocking out each one, it's your engineer. He goes through and he knocks out each one of these things, right? Um, around that time, you would, you know, once you, once you get to a point where you think you have, hey, look, this is going to be the building footprint, um, you know, and uh, this is, you know, probably what the site plan is going to look like. I'll engage the, the, uh, the architect to kind of start doing, you know, more comprehensive layout. He'll be involved a little bit in the process in the beginning just to kind of give me a concept plan for the for the um for the apartments. And I typically won't use a registered architect for that. I'd use like a draftsman on um like you know a freelance website like Upwork or something like that. Where I'll be involved in the process a little bit. Um but for five, six hundred bucks I get a concept plan that my architect would have charged me five grand for. And then I take that concept plan, bring it to the architect and say, hey, look, this is what we're working with. Here are the CAD files from my draftsman. Um, can you, let's tweak a few little items, see if there's anything that you think that wouldn't, you know, be functional. Um, and, you know, we'll ramp that up into a full-blown plan, save a few bucks. Got it. Yeah, smart. So, so when you're designing these, are you shooting for the most amount of 
bedrooms? Are you shooting for the most amount of units? What's the average unit size? What's the mix that you're looking for? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I think it depends. I mean, you know, we were, we were going back and forth on this, this, uh, last night. Um, I was saying, Hey, look, we we can build eight units on this piece of land, right? Does it make sense to build eight, 600 square foot, one bedrooms, right? Or eight, 1200 square foot row homes. Okay. I think zoning would allow either. Now, obviously in one hand on the, on the one bedrooms, you're building a 4,800 square foot structure on the, you know, row homes, it's 9,600 square feet, but it's the same number of bathrooms. It's the same number of kitchens, same number of laundry, um, you know, laundry rooms, whatever. Um, and it's, uh, it's just, you know, they're, they're larger units, right? So, so we went through and said, all right, are they deeper? So, so they would, they wouldn't be deeper. Uh, they'd be wider. So it'd be longer. Um, so long story short, I, you know, we projected income on the, on the one bedrooms to be about $125,000 a year. Income on the three beds at 180. Okay. The expenses a little bit higher on the three beds because of maintenance and because of, you know, taxes. Um, but NOI um, ends up being 86 grand on the ones, 130 on the threes. But then you got to go to cost, right? So what's the cost going to be, you know, different? The cost for the for the three bedrooms is going to be about seventy five percent or so higher than it would be for the one bedrooms. But you got a higher NOI. Once you run through it, you get cap rates. So we, we came out with cap rates. So the cap rate on the one bedrooms is twelve point seven percent. The cap rates on the three beds is eleven point six. So not as different as I ex- you know, I expected it to be a lot more different. You know, a lot a lot more of a disparity there. Um, and then when you look at the value, so I, I evaluated them at, at the same cap, at the same cap rate for value. Um, and on, on the one beds, we're at, you know, around one four in value on the threes, we're at about, you know, two, one, two million, one fifty. Um, we have about $250,000 more in equity on the three bedroom project than we do on the one bedroom. So, you know, kind of going through this and thinking about it, I think, I don't know if it would take any less time to build the ones than it would to build the threes. I think the time is going to be the same. I think it'd be the exact same amount of time. It'd be about a year, you know, to, to, to finish it. Um, so, you know, in this scenario, for example, I think even though the cap rate's lower, um, I think we'll go with the three bedroom just because the appreciation over time on a $2,150,000 asset versus a $1.4 million asset is going to be more, right? So, you know, if the property values increase to 3% a year, whatever it is, that's $65,000 a year versus $45,000 a year. Um, pay downs more, you know, so we knock down more of the principal over time and, um, you know, didn't really factor that into our calculation initially, but, you know, I think they're just going to be worth more money. How about property management? Any differences on that that you were projecting in terms of income, well, collections, vacancy? So you get more turnover with the ones, right? Um, I think that's pretty standard. Um, I mean, at least in our portfolio, we get 
definitely more turnover of one bedroom apartment apartments than we do on, you know, twos and threes. Typically you'll get, you know, larger, more stable families that'll go into a three bedroom and then we'll go into a one bedroom. Um, so that reduces, um, the turnover costs. Um, but when one of those three bedrooms turns over, it's going to cost more money than a one bedroom. So they kind of probably even out. When I underwrote it, I actually increased the, um, maintenance cost for the three bedrooms by 50% compared to the one bedrooms, um, just to be conservative. Yeah. Um, and when you build these, are you build, are you doing anything I don't know if the word's different, but let's just go with it. Yeah. Are you doing so anything are, different than how your in, buildings were built? Yep. So the differences in costs are are kind of kind of uh, you know based on a couple different things, right? So obviously it's square footage, right? So you got flooring and framing. Um, you know, as far as the roofing goes, you got double the roof as well. Um, you got double the windows, you know, but there are a few things that aren't doubled, right? So the kitchen costs are probably pretty similar. Appliance costs are similar. Um, the cost of the bathroom is pretty similar. There's the same number of plumbing fixtures. So the plumbing cost is the same, um, same number of meters. So same number of meter pans, all that. Um, but we do have, um, additional plumbing connections. So, um, on, on the eight, on the one bedroom side, you got four water and uh, sewer connections because they're going to be two units, you know, four two units. Um, on the eight units, you have eight. You have eight of each, so that's you know that doubles up. Um, so some, you know, those are some things that are you know double some things that aren't. You know what I mean? It's the same number. The site improvement's pretty similar, right? You got the same amount of sidewalk. You got the same amount of. Um, you know, parking area because the parking requirements the same. Surprisingly, um, isn't based on number of bedrooms. Okay. It's actually based on number of units. Got it. How many per unit? One and a half. Okay, so pretty dense. Yeah, yeah. And then when you construct them, there's there's a there's a book uh, that has the list of eliminators. So this gentleman does not put in toilet paper holders. He will. He he does not do just certain things, right? It's it's from the Section Eight Bible that was written many years ago from the successful guys in Philadelphia. You are now getting a chance to build this from the ground up, and and you've managed now. And behind you on the board are are some metrics. And when when I asked about the metrics, most of them were around move-ins, move-outs, maintenance, maintenance that you're doing, maintenance that you're subbing out from appliances. Yeah, this is the property. This is for property management. Yeah. Yeah. So what are you doing just from an engineering design perspective? If, if anything, types of paint, types of flooring, types of HVAC to, to help you better manage these properties. Yeah. So in the future to limit my construction costs, for example, on like HVAC, we'll probably put in PTAC units under the windows. Um, it, it overall is cheaper, especially because in the city of Allentown, you need to have what's called a, uh, um, a sheet metal license if you're going to do HVAC. Um, and so I can't bring in a guy from, you know, three counties over to do my HVAC because he's not going to have a sheet metal license in Allentown and it's a pain in the butt to get it. Um, and that's, and we discussed this before. That's even if you're doing mini splits, right? Well, no, mini splits, you don't need it. So you only oh, need it if you're actually doing oh, you don't need it. Yeah. yeah. 
So with the ductless mini splits, you don't need it. But you know, with the ductless mini splits, the problem is the maintenance. I think on them is is you know uh, the, the tenants are supposed to maintain these filters and cleaning them out and doing this, and they never do it. So they end up getting you know messed up. Um, I I like you know if we're going to build new to do the PTAC units because look, if I have to swap one of those out if it breaks, it's eight hundred bucks. Done. Installed brand new. You know what I mean? No problem. So. Um, you know, my whole system, you know, living room, you know, first floor and then three bedrooms, we're talking, you know, thirty, $3,200, you know, plus install, maybe I'm in for four grand where I'd be in for probably seven or eight if I did, um, you know, true HVAC. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I don't use, uh, natural gas in the buildings. Everything's going to be electric. Save on that. Um, we do you know, electric water heater versus a gas water heater. Um, you know, electric water heater is four or 500 bucks, a gas water heater with, a um, with the power vents, you know, you're at a thousand bucks, 1200 bucks. Um, so you save on that. You save on having to run the gas lines. You save on, you know, you let the electrician do, you know, do the work and, um, and they're also easier to, uh, troubleshoot if there's ever a problem in the future, electric hot water heaters. Um, yeah, I, I do, you know, I have good pricing on, I have good framing pricing. I have good pricing for flooring. I have good sheetrock subcontractors, good roofing subcontractors. You know, these are guys that we've worked with, you know, for years and years. So, um, you know, I know all my pricing on that stuff, like the back of my hand. Hey, look, what's this going to, what, you know, what should, you know, what should the sheetrock price be? Like, I'll, I know it, you know, what should the... You know, what should the flooring price be? What should this be? What should the, you know, the cabinets be? You know, so, so knowing your, you know, knowing the costs make it easier to navigate the construction process and having reliable subs that you're, you know, that you're friends with and you're comfortable with. So, yeah. So, and then is there anything from in terms of the appliances or, or the countertops? I'm thinking the, 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 the paint that's, Washable, but it's also flat to make it easier. Any, any we of those? Yeah, so we're, we actually use eggshell paint. We use eggshell paint because the flat paint gets so dirty that, like, every time a turnover happens, we have to repaint the the apartment, even if it, even if the apartment was kept really, really clean. So we use eggshell paint. We just use Property Solutions. It's the cheap paint from Sherwin Williams. Um, you know, we have we have really good painters, and they're they're comfortable using it. We do use a different trim paint because the uh, the cheap semi gloss from Sherwin Williams kind of sucks. Um, so we use something a little bit better than that because we do white, you know, always white trim indoors in the turnovers. So yeah, and then flooring is luxury vinyl plank. No yeah. carpets. I'm yeah, assuming so, in any of these, or do you do some in the bedrooms? Uh, we don't. Yeah, we we stay away from we stay away from the carpets um, most of the time. Um, if anything, maybe we do them in a in a bedroom. Um, I really don't like to use carpet at all. Um, the LVT, uh, we like to use 20 mil, you know, with a vinyl with a 20 mil wear layer. It's commercial. Um, I personally hate click vinyl plank. I don't like it. I think it separates 99% of the time over, you know, one or two turns. Um, so I like either, um, I actually like a, uh, they have, what are they called? It's called, it's like a glue strip. It's called, uh, I forget what it's called. It's a luxury vinyl plane with a with a glue strip that that that's how they that's how they uh, connect each plank piece. 
or real straight glue down vinyl plank. Um, glue down vinyl plank and you, and you spring for the extra money to buy the really, really good glue. And I mean, your floors could be a little wonky. doesn't matter. You know, we've put it in buildings where, you know, the floors have settled and the floors are really weird. Um, and as long as you, as long as you secure that Luan down real well, um, I mean, they'll, they'll conform to whatever, whatever the floor is looking like. So, um, you know, not so much of an issue on new construction where everything's level, but, you know, I like, uh, I like the glue down vinyl, um, you know, with a 20 mil wear layer, it lasts, it lasts a while. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on the, on the, 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 the planks when they, cl- when they click together and then after, after some, I mean, oh, they weren't installed the right way. Come on, man. I mean, every time they're not installed the right way, every single time, like after a year, they, they separate here and there. And then I got to take the whole thing up. Right. And you, and you Doesn't spend more, you spent two or three times the, the, the cost of, of carpet. Plus you had to do some, uh, some extra work that you wouldn't have to do with carpet. Sure. And, um, and then I've seen some people that use it in the in the bathrooms, and I'm like, yeah, I, I understand that the product can be fully submersible in water, but that doesn't mean that you want to get water underneath it. We like to do tile in our bathrooms, Correct. and yeah, yeah, and we do too. Same thing for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, look, we'll do and- we'll do vinyl. Yeah, we'll do vinyl if we have to, but you know, obviously, it's always present. If we're going to do a full renovation in the bathroom, we'll put we'll put in ceramic. So it seems like you have your numbers really well dialed in. Excluding the cost of land and the improvements and the entitlements and all that, you're looking at, at building these at about $135,000 to $140,000 per door. You are, I'm assuming that you are the general contractor, you you and your team. Yeah, and you're, 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 You have all the subs yep. lining them up. So That's that right correct. there could save 15, 20% for when other people are sure. doing their own napkin math. And then we excluded the cost of land and and and, and getting yeah. and that's obviously market specific, right? So like for us, you know, we we try to be under with with land and approvals, you know, I'd like to be under ten if I could, ten to twelve thousand dollars a door. Um so that's that's usually the goal. Mm-hmm. So those those projects will pencil, uh are banks lined up to provide the financing for that based upon based upon the the track records. So yeah, so we we just closed on um the one for, we were building these 16 units. We have, you know, we closed on that construction loan um, with really favorable terms, actually. Um, so we were able to kind of lock that in prior to us having our permits in hand, just because they knew that the rates were going to go up. And they said, look, just lock this in. So we locked in seven years. So two years IO during construction, and then um, five more years, same rate at three, seven. So, uh, you know, super happy with that. Um, we will, you know, it, we closed it, you know, now it's about six months ago. So we're getting ready to get into the ground now. So we got 18 more months left on, on the IO period, but we haven't taken a draw yet. So it hasn't cost us anything. So. Got it. And, and Joe, what are you building towards here? You have the 425 plus you're growing. Mm-hmm. What are you after? So we got a 10 year goal, um, 1500 doors and, uh, not just that, but really you know, our, our goal reads as the best landlord in the Lehigh Valley with 1500 plus doors. So that the 1500 plus is, is more of a metric to say, Hey, look, you know, among the, the landlords or property managers that are, you know, of a certain size, we want to be the best out of those. So it's not so much, Hey, look, our goal is get 1500 units. It's really to be, you know, the, the best at our craft, right? So to be the best, you know, most responsible landlord, 
um, to be able to, you know, to do the right thing, you know, for our tenants. And, um, you know, we believe that if you do that, it kind of comes back around, you know. When you were going over your metrics, my belief, and, and we rent well as of the date of this recording manages right around 1,500 doors. So it's, it's, it's interesting mm-hmm. that, that that's your number. And when I let people know that when they talk, when we start talking about the business, I say, I'm a logistics company. And that's really what, you, what we believe us, what we are. We would love mm-hmm. to be the best third-party property manager and then, and, then, and, then, and then investor. In order, when you went through your metrics, you were tracking speed. You're tracking how many work orders can we get done in X period of time, right? Mm-hmm. Whether you're going to swap the toilet out today or swap it out in three weeks, it's the same amount of time to swap out the toilet. So why don't, okay. we, why don't we get to it sooner and, and, and have dailies actually be done be done daily. And I was, it was cool to see that. So, so are there any other metrics that you could share with the viewers as to what you believe would earn you that spot for the best? Yeah. I mean, I'd like, you know, we, we, we were working towards, um, you know, 48 hour turnaround on all work orders. Um, you know, no matter how big they are, no matter what it is. Um, you know, we'd like to, uh, at say, you know, at some point, be able to have our turnover time frame um, be, you know, under um, under one week from when they go vacant. Um, I would, I'd love to have zero callbacks after a move-in, ah. right? So, you know, we track those too. So, hey, you know, these are all our move-ins. You know, we call them in a week and say, hey, look, you know, are there any issues in the apartment? Um, and if there are, you know, then we, we, we go out and we take care of them. But I, wanna, I want that to be zero, obviously. Um, we want a five out of five rating. We call every time a work order is, um, is closed out. We call up and uh, ask if there are any issues, if there are any comments or anything like that. Um, you know, and we, we get a rating out of five. So we track those two. Oh, man, that's, that's wonderful stuff. That's, that's good metrics. What software are you running? So we use Rent Manager um, for our property management software, um, but we don't use it for our books. We use QuickBooks for our books. And we actually don't use it for our work order management either. We use um, Property Meld. Oh, okay. Got it. And it plugs into Rent Manager. Yep. Yep. Uh, we're on the uh, Appfolio. I know a lot of people are on Appfolio and they recently finally are allowing their API to open up. Yep. And I know, I'm sure. And property now, yeah, I think, uh, I think, yeah, I think property meld has a, has a plugin now for, uh, for Appfolio. Yeah. Well, my friend, I feel like I could talk to you for hours. I'm sure our guests are going to want to learn more. I, I'd love to check back in with you in six months and see how that development is coming. We, we wish you a lot of luck with all this. What are you doing as we wind this episode down? What do you do to take care of you? Uh, are there any spiritual practices that you enjoy? Um, what, what, what does that look like? How, how do you have this level of energy and focus? You are the you are the the, the calm, the 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 humble uh, owner developer there with with a with a with a with a big old goal that you're going after. How, how do you how do you stay focused on it and take care of you? Um, yeah, I mean, I I. Uh... I wish I could say I do a million different things. I mean, I, I, I try to eat healthy. I try to get to the gym. Um, you know, I like to meditate, but I don't do it as often as I should. 
Uh, I like to, you know, I like to do, um, you know, I like to journal. Don't do that as often as I should either. You know, I, I, I go through phases where I'm on the ball. I go through phases when I'm off, you know, but, uh, you know, I think I'm always, you know, striving to, to try to improve. Right. So I think I keep that mindset always. And, uh, and that's very helpful. Yeah. That's clear. Are there any charities or, or, or programs that you, that you support that you'd welcome our guests to support? Um, do you think that that's something in the future? Yeah, nothing you? that really comes to mind. I mean, what I like to do uh, the most is I'll, I'll go to like local real estate meetups and and kind of speak, talk to people. Um, you know, I'll throw some deals up on the board and go through the numbers, teach people how to underwrite the deals the way I do. Um, you know, I get a lot of a lot of uh, a lot out of that. I think, and you know, help the you know number of people kind of buy their first properties and you know mentor them through that process. So I like doing that. As far as you know, giving money out to charities, can't say that I'm doing that right now. Got so what's the best way to people to get a hold of you, Joe? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not super, I don't really have a, a super big social media presence, to be honest with you. Um, you can throw my contact information and email address and my Instagram or something like that into, uh, into the bio. And we can yeah, go from there. Great, man. Well, thank you so much for the time on, on, on today's episode. You, you painted a really nice, simple, you know, I think Albert Einstein says uh, anybody can make something complicated, but a genius can make it simple. And I've been I've been managing these properties for a long time. And when he, when you just went through on a, on a on a whiteboard and said, "Here's what we're tracking. These are these metrics, and you know your numbers, and you know your phases on it." So I would say, yeah, you're on the path, man. And and uh, um, thank you for sharing some of this wisdom with everybody here. And, and I wish you and your family, you know, a, a great rest of the year. All right, man. Sounds good. Thanks, Jeff. Take care. Thank you for listening to Living Well with Rentwell. We hope you loved that episode. Be sure to head over to our website at rentwell.com forward slash vision. We're giving away our free program called Vision Through Purposeful Action. If you are a busy person, if you struggle with finding the time and the priorities where you experience procrastination and overwhelm, this free course will help you with that. We wish you a blessed day. Thank you for tuning in and check in later.